In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's mind. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. This is the Lantern Cast. Episode 388. That's right. We are talking Far Sector, issue number three. But before we do, uh, we have some Star Wars related stuff to get into. So, <laughs> uh, Star- I should, I should so just, I turn you loose. I should just sit here and laugh for like, like for the next five minutes. <laughs> Use your imagination. It was like a... Uh, now the interesting thing is when you sent me this t- when you s- messaged me last week. Obviously, I thought at the time because no, I had not seen, I had not watched that video. I had thought this was just another rehashing of the stuff that had been out there for like a week regarding the Obi Wan series when there was that when there were rumors back and forth that there might be a delay, but part of it, but at the time, a lot of the focal point of discussion was about how. Lucasfilm was kind of because I even made a comment to, to Jim about it. And I even messaged Jim about it like a week or so before, saying like this is this is like so typical about Lucasfilm that it's something that should have been a movie to start with that ended up becoming a TV show it was now being rumored that they were going to make Obi Wan a movie again, since they really didn't on the surface the, the justification for this was going to be well they really don't know what the hell they're no pun intended because <laughs> we kind of know this is true generally speaking but they don't know what the hell they're doing as far as what's coming next because obviously the Benioff and Weiss thing you know went down the toilet so that they don't necessarily have some they didn't have something slam dunk ready to go in a couple of years so instead of launching into a trilogy or a series of movies that they might just go back and do a one-off movie and and so that's that was what some of the talk that's what some of the scuttlebutt was a few like a few weeks ago about if there was going to be a delay in Obi-Wan, it was because they just didn't know which direction they wanted to go in. But clearly in the last, at the end of last week, Thursday or so, now this became a full-born, typical Star Wars Kathleen Kennedy problem, in which now the Obi-Wan series is not canceled. I don't think, I don't think this project will ever be canceled. It'll, I, I think it will take... It will exist in some way, shape, or form at some point, no matter what. But it's being delayed till next year. The scripts, which Kathleen Kennedy infamously came out and told us at D23, were all completed. Now we're now we're kind of being told that there were they were like only two around two of these scripts that actually were finished, and that she wasn't happy with them. Part of the reason the rumor is that they they too much mirrored with the Mandalorian concept you know, about you know Obi Wan you know protecting or you know looking out for Luke the way. Mandalorian was looking out for the child, which again is another reason why, hey, you do the project you should have done effing years ago, if you had just done that, then there wouldn't have been a problem, then you could have come up with a different story for the Mandalorian, because given the two choices, which one makes more sense, since we know Obi-Wan's entire role was to look out for Luke, and that's the reason why he was hiding out on Tatooine, was to keep an eye on Luke, so that would be a natural story if you're going to have someone look overlooking a child, that would have been the one to go to instead of having to change the change it potentially because now we have the Mandalorian and baby Yoda and so at best case scenario this no the Obi-Wan series is not going to start filming till next year and this just turns out to be on the surface this is just it's really like what what does Kathleen Kennedy have to do to lose her job I mean is there anything she could do I mean can can videos come out of her sacrificing babies and 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 and, and hailing Satan or something would that even get her fired at this point? Because this is a, I mean, this is a serious track record of incompetence. When you when you go, everybody, you know, once in a while you have creative differences with people. But my God, it's like you can count like using like I think like 
on like one hand, not forget about one hand, like one or two fingers max in all the Star Wars projects that she's been in, had her hand in, in which there has not been creative differences or problems. There's been one way or the other. I mean, the, the Force, the Force Awakens. I believe it was uh, what Michael Arendt who was hired to write the script, who who was telling them, well, if we're going to do to do this right. This needs to basically we need to take our time and do this. We need to plan this out. This is going to take you know maybe like th- three plus years to do if you want to do this right. Plus his reputation as a writer was that he was methodical. So if you want to get so if you're so if the most important thing to you is getting your movie out like within a couple of years, that's probably not the guy you hire to begin with. So that's so that's so that's number so that's kind of like number one, and that's how Kazdan and Abrams ended up wor- wor- working on the script. The one time she doesn't do it is with Ryan Johnson, which is the most ironic thing of all of this. The one time she just lets the creator do what anything he wants, he or she wants to do, regardless of the consequences, and we look what happened. Rogue One turned out okay, but Rogue One went through a lot of reshoots and reconstructing, or restructuring and reconstructing. Even though, even if you want to give the benefit of the doubt that that was more like Iger and Horn and the higher ups at Disney not, not liking the tone. Either way. The point was there was there was a problem with that movie. We know Solo was a complete disaster from the because of what Lord Miller getting fired and having to reshoot like three like three quarters of the movie. And then there's all the, the rumors surrounding you know everything around you know the rise of Skywalker and the different ver- and how this movie came to be and there's so many different story stories about what was and what wasn't and and then of course we have Benioff and Weiss leaving and now you have now you have this now you have this cluster. It's like, plus it's the decision-making process. The Obi, the Obi Wan movie. I said this then. I will always say it. If this wasn't going to be the first anthology slash spin-off movie you did, it should have been the second one. Rogue One was a gamble. It paid off, but it was a gamble because it's a story nobody nobody thought they wanted to, or needed to see until the movie came out. And it's like, you know, I'm kind of glad I saw that story. I know what happened, but nobody was clamoring for that story. Other than a Darth Vader movie, an Obi-Wan movie was about a, the biggest slam dunk they could have come up with. And the fact that here, that here we are, now is going to be a bare minimum of what? Six years? Or close to six years since The Force Awakens? And we, if we even get this project you know, in, in that time frame, and we still haven't had the Obi-Wan thing, but they could do a solo movie that nobody wanted to see, and they could give us a, you know, Rises the Last Jedi the way it was that nobody wanted to see and it's just I don't know I mean it's like Kathleen you know the, the, you know the buck stops here you know she runs Lucasfilm if you have that much if you and I had that much of a track record of screwing up or hiring the wrong people because that is part of the that's part of the job you're hiring these people so if you're hiring people who either have conflicting Colin Trevor Trevor I forgot to mention him. Uh, that was that's another creative difference thing between her and um, and and somebody that she hired. It's like this, obviously there's a disconnect in that she's hiring the wrong people, not because her vision is necessarily wrong, though we could make the case that she's kind of proven it might be, or the other people's vision is right. The fact is she's hiring people that have conflicting views and visions than than her, or else they wouldn't be clashing all the time. And that's part of the job, and that's part of it. So I, I, this is just so frustrating to me because of how important how important Obi Wan is, and how you you know, you have an actor who's been basically dying to come back and play this role, and has never made any qualms about the fact that he was always willing to come back and play this role, even before it was so slam dunk that he was, which probably, as we know from D twenty three, was probably going all the way back to when they did Force Awakens, that it probably was a slam dunk that Obi- that Ewan McGregor was coming back at some point. But still, ever since after Revenge of the Sith, I don't think there was any doubt he would come back. He, you know, he was happy overall with the Star Wars experience. And here we are, and now we got to muddle through yet another another clusterfuck, you know, you know, captained by you know Kathleen Kennedy. And the fact is, I don't, I, you have to give credit where credit's due. The fact that to run a franchise like Star Wars, which had the you know the mantra and the the uh, the appearance of invincibility, and run it into the ground as much as they've done. And they have run into the ground. Even look at the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker has struggled to make a billion dollars. When there's no doubt, if this movie had not taken the hits, this should have been doing endgame-like business. 
to wrap up this nine movie cycle, the second trilogy, especially after Force Awakens was so popular. This should have been doing end game like business. This movie is not going domestically is not going to make more money than Rogue One. Put that <laughs> let that sink in. So that means when the from the live action movies under since Disney's taken over, other than solo other than Solo, The Rise of Skywalker is going to be the, the lowest grossing movie domestically of all those movies. So, yeah, it's time for a change. And after a while, it's like you just got to cut. You just got to. Sometimes you, we all know you have to make it, even if you don't necessarily think it's all person A's fault. Sometimes you have to make a change just because it makes it it makes people happy because things aren't looking. Things aren't going well. Things look bad. And at least it looks like you're not being tone deaf that you have to make some change or changes. And this is kind of ridiculous. It's like, what more do you want? What more does she need? You know, does she need to do? <laughs> uh, so we all know Star Wars wise. When it, when this sort of news comes out, I don't have a whole lot to say, but I do have two points. Point A is I don't keep up with all of this, um, but from what you tell me, from what I hear from Ryan, you know, I mean, you know, other sources across the net, fandom in general. If Kathleen, if word got out that Kathleen Kennedy didn't like this script, it probably means it was a fantastic script. <laughs> especially if the Trevor, especially if the Colin Trevorrow script, no matter what version of that, you know, the Duel of the Fates script, if that is 100% legitimate that Colin Trevorrow wrote that script, while there's some issue, and I, I like to read the script as opposed to hearing, you know, people break it down. But from it certainly sounds at least like it's a Star Wars movie, you know, and at least he made an effort to to roll with. With what they gave him, and yet, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And my point B is, uh, and you mentioned a lot of the uh, of things in in reference to explaining why she is uh, why she would be incompetent uh, at the job she's got in front of her. Um, I would add another one here, and although I don't know too much about uh, film and stuff, I do listen to a lot of. Michael Rosenbaum's uh, Inside of You podcast and Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast, and you get a lot of conversation behind the scenes about you know how how the actual process of filmmaking, both in TV and and and, and movies, works. Um, why is this woman sending a crew out to get ready to start filming something she hasn't yet approved the script for? That's uh, that's not how you do business in Hollywood. That's why you know there's there's got yeah. I think there's got to be more, there's got to be more to this because first of all I mean I mean it doesn't make I mean we all know this hyperbole and people get excited or whatever but it doesn't make any sense for her to come out of D twenty three and announce that all those scripts are done just to turn around and a not. T- like six months later or seven months later, it's like, eh, it's when you're about to go into production. It's like, or getting close. You're in definitely in pre-production and you're about to get move into production. That, you know what? These scripts just aren't good enough. It's like, well, that problem should have been discussed. You know, that problem should have been recognized months ago. I mean, obviously, we under, not to give her a real pass, but we understand the cluster, you know what, that appears the rise of Skywalker was heading into the final month before its release since I think even J.J. Abrams himself confirmed that it wasn't until like somewhere towards the end or mid-November that he said the movie was actually done. So this movie so this movie in the shape that we saw it was and of course depending on what rumors you hear because there were a lot of rumors about this there's a lot of spin some people categorize it as from the Abrams camp trying to distance themselves from this movie a little bit that even the theatrical release of the movie, Abrams was a little surprised because because he still thought they were it was being released like at that two hour and thirty minute cut, and I think it turned out to be like something like a two like a two seventeen two eighteen or two twenty cut or something. That there was some one one of the stories, whether it's true or not, was that he ex, he was still he was surprised because he thought the movie was going to be. As he was led to believe it was this cut, and then there was still like another like like thirteen fifteen minutes shaved off it. But the idea that so we know, I mean, everything we everything we heard about this about Rise of Skywalker indicated that this move that they were like running around with like the, with like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to get whatever version of this movie that they ended up deciding on to release. So that could realistically be taking away some of Kathleen Kennedy's focus, but still. You shouldn't be making that announcement. 
I know you want. I know you're trying to get the fan base excited again. You still could have announced that you and McGregor was coming back, and you still could have announced that the you know that this show was going to start. The, you know, the plan was this show to start filming in 2020 or something. But you didn't have to come out and add that whole thing about about the scripts being done and they're great and blah 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 blah. I mean, that that's stupid. So I I don't. You have to suspect. It, I mean, that there's got to be something else behind behind it. I mean, and you could and we could speculate endlessly whether maybe maybe it was too similar to Mandalorian, so it wasn't even it didn't even have to do with the fact that it wasn't as that wasn't good, but it was you know it was too repetitive. I it's, I was watching stuff today about how they're really trying to they're really trying to find a way basically to like maybe work besides introducing new characters, but bring some more some of those other older characters that we know into it, including trying to find a way to work you know Vader into it somehow. Uh, obviously it would have to be two you know two different plot points, two different plot threads since they're not since they can't interact. But there's lots of there's lots of things and maybe it's just that and who knows, maybe part of it is that maybe you can keep your fingers crossed. Maybe like Iger and Horn are finally getting fed up with her and are, and really don't want her to be involved or have her hands in any other Star Wars project, and they're, and they're and it's, her time is is going to be coming to an end soon. Whether no matter how it's announced, whether she you know resigns or whatever, that they're that they're going to be doing what they need to do to get her out, so she's not so she does not have her hands involved in anything else. Who knows? It's just really it. It really ta- it was it's really hard work to be this bad at anything, and to take something that was so beloved, and then even after Force Awakens, which was not overly original, but people liked it and it was extremely popular, made a shit ton of money. That to go from there, and even Rogue One, which did better than most people thought, even if yes, part of that probably was writing on the positive coattails of Force Awakens. That just if you really look at it, just from from uh, the last Jedi, which was 2017, till now, in the course of not of barely over two years, of this franchise being where it is now, I mean that's that that you could she could have been a Manchurian candidate in charge of Lucasfilm, and you would be hard pressed to have done a better sabotage job than she's done, and, and long lasting damage to the brand. It's like she may be good at producing regular, actually being a f- real hands on producer when it comes to making actual movies. But as a head of a studio, running a company like Lucasfilm, no, that's not the job for her. Uh, so, it, I don't know what – it just boggles my mind that you know you, you can just keep going on being this bad at your job and, and, and having the fan base just be so – I mean this mo- – you think about it. I mean this movie compared to what Force Awakens did in the course of like four years of Rise of Skywalker like did like – they lost like half, half – you know, half the amount, you know, half their their uh, financials there. They lost half the money that, more than half the money that they made in from Force Awakens to Rise of Skywalker. That's a lot of money going from like over two billion dollars down to you know to to really pushing to to squeak past a billion dollars in the big picture and having this movie a little over a month after its release be an afterthought for people. That so it, it that that that's an issue. I mean, is is it going to make money? I don't. Know. I just think that they need to do something because, well, why, I thought Rise of Skywalker was enjoyable. You thought Rise of Skywalker, for what it was, was good. I think you know, Ryan did, Jim did. Most people, not in yes, the expectation, you know, lower the expectations, the greater the chance you're going to enjoy it. But flaws and all, I think Abrams did what you know what he could do, handed a crappy baton. But still, that movie did not do what it should have done. And Mandalorian was popular. They had a chance to build some momentum here, potentially. And now this Obi Wan thing just sat, you know, just shoots a torpedo back into the hall. And it's like Jesus. It's like it's like the, you know the gang that couldn't shoot straight. It's like what does it what does it take to have a project that is not marred by creative differences or delays or massive rewrites or reshoots? It's like why can't they? Get, you know. And at the end of the day, it falls on her because she's the head of the studio and she's the one who's hiring these people. She's the one who's hiring these people, so she has to be held accountable. Or in the real world, people would be held accountable, you'd like to think, but so far, not so much. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, well, before we get into this, because I didn't want to stick it at the end, because it would feel so much like just a, a dog tag at the end of it, but uh, 
I did want to mention this, and Mark and I talked about this before we started recording. So, as you guys know, and we'll mention it plenty of times throughout the year, but this year is Green Lantern's 80th anniversary. Uh, the anniversary of All-American Comics number 16, the first appearance of Alan Scott Green Lantern, created by Martin Nodell. Um, as you can imagine, there's not a whole lot of uh, Golden Age merchandise out there. Uh, specific characters, you're going to find some things here and there, but specific to Alan Scott, there's not a lot of stuff currently in print for you to hunt down and find. So that leaves you with something uh, more obscure, something more out of the norm, something more uh, uh, localized to uh, small small press and other artists. Uh, Q. Luke Dobb. Uh, if you recognize that name, it's very likely because you listen to any number of podcasts related to or associated with or friends of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, Luke does a lot of stuff, uh, lots of graphic design, lots of songs, all sorts of things. Uh, he's a, uh, a man of many talents, but he does these things, and maybe you've seen them, called Superhero Profiles. And what a superhero profile is, is it is a side view of a character from the waist up, and it's got like a couple of things symbolizing said character around it. If you go to dobcreative.threadless.com, and that's D-A-A-B creative.threadless.com, you're going to see all of the various things that he's done. Now, not every one of his uh, works is on here. I'm scrolling through, and I, I, like, he's not, I'm not seeing his uh, Swamp Thing superhero profile, uh, so on and so forth, so I'm not sure uh, what's on there, what's not, what, and why. But one thing that is on there is Alan Scott, the Green Lantern DC superhero profile. Now, Threadless comes into this is because they will allow uh, creators such as Luke to post their works on there. And you can get the, the artist's rendering of whatever they've created printed onto various materials. You can get... Uh, you can get t-shirts in kids, women's, men's. You can get prints. You can get blankets, canvases, uh, pillows, buttons, skateboards, phone cases, notebooks, beach towels, so on and so forth, whatever you want, with this artist printing on it. Um, well, I purchased something the other day because his Green Lantern Alan Scott one. I was like, all right, I need something Alan Scott. And I want to support a friend. So I looked it up, I purchased it, and I got a phone case for my iPhone XR. And it is Alan Scott. And Alan Scott, he's, like I said, profile uh, view, waist up. Around him you have his lantern. You have a symbol of a star, which is the star heart. And then down in the corner you have GBC, the logo, for Gotham Broadcasting Company. Which is a nice little nod to Alan's day job. Um... And then I also got, he did a, this is neither here nor there, but he also got, he also did a Ragman superhero profile a while back that I had a, I didn't commission from him, but I had a high, high influence on, uh, the person who did commission uh, it from him. Uh, and I got that superhero profile printed on a, uh, on a metal tumbler. And that's, that's me tapping it right now. That, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 his, that's Chad tumbling. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 actually it's it's a metal tumbler. It's it's not like a crappy plastic one. Um, so I have that. Um, I'm gonna point you guys to dobcreative.threadless.com because you guys are going to be very 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 hard pressed to not pay aftermarket prices for something that has Alan Scott related uh, stuff on it in terms of wearables or accessories. Uh, so I highly recommend if you've got 20 bucks to spare plus shipping. Head over to uh, dobcreative.threadless.com and get the Alan Scott Green Lantern DC Superhero Profiles uh, thing printed on something of your choice. I say 20 bucks because that's the price of a regular T-shirt. Um, so if you are if you are looking for something, I highly recommend it. You're supporting a small artist and uh, you're getting something to help celebrate something you need to help celebrate the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. Uh, you can do whatever you want. I'm recommending Alan Scott because of the 80th, but I mean, he's got 
uh, a firestorm profile he's got black canary there's there's a ton of stuff on here um how? so he's got how yeah he's got how um it's not on the threadless store and i'll have to ask him why um but if you go over to his his other like maybe his personal blog personal website uh, his patreon you will find a john stewart superhero profile and i believe you can order prints from him from his shop uh in that way but Do- it's dob creative uh he's he's usually dob creative on uh twitter and stuff like that but like i said dob creative d a a b creative.threadless.com um he didn't pay us to say that he didn't ask me to say that he didn't say anything to me after i purchased it but uh like i said you're i think it's a really cool looking design of of alan and uh if you're going to have something uh, alan this year and i wouldn't bet on dc putting out merch other than maybe like a a collected trade paperback or something so i highly recommend we go for supporting small artists It'll be the it'll be the Simon Bass collection to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> all Bass all the time. But uh, yeah, uh, Mark just saw this image for the first time a few moments ago. What do you think, man? It's pretty cool. I like it. I like the Howlin' better, but I'm prone to like the Howlin' better. <laughs> <laughs> plus, for sure. Plus, plus the write up for the Howlin's even better because they because sh- it shows how making a construct fist. And the up and in the upper right hand corner you got three guardians. So the description on the design says punch guardians in the face while defending sector two eight one four in this graphic <laughs> D. <laughs> Who would want to punch guardians in the face? We know how they are. Uh, it's it's great because I think the like the ragman one. Uh, I think it says something like now you can wear your own suit of souls. So it's like ah you're you're taking it all the way with the wearable thing. Uh, but no, like he's got uh, I mean. Talking, talking like obviously you've got your Superman, your Batman, your Flash, Green Arrow, all that stuff. But he's got a Doctor Fate superhero profile, Elongated Man, Booster Gold. Uh, I mean, he's got he's got so many different ones, and they're all very very well done. Um, so yeah, uh, DobCreative.threadless.com. Uh, not sponsored. All right. Um, so we're here to talk Far Sector number three came out very recently uh i'm going to do a very surface level recap of this there's actually not a whole lot i mean don't get me wrong i still enjoyed the book uh i thought it was a good issue the art again stands out for me here but frankly speaking not a lot actually happens in this issue this is Uh, true so i'm going to go ahead and just be very brief here um so we do get a recap page at the front of things uh, to sort of set the scene and, and remind us of where we're at and what the situation is. So that's cool. Um, I, I like the way it's done here. It's almost, almost like a uh, like a, a report being sent back to Oa. So I think that's a cool idea. Wouldn't would not mind in the slightest if the other Green Lantern books use this sort of method. So that'd be cool. But anyways, that strengthens the ties to Oa, or at least gives the impression of strengthening the ties to Oa. You know, based on sure. based on the things that we talked about after issue two about some of the questions that are potentially being raised about her relationship. All right, so we pick up where we left off. Uh, Lantern Joe is with uh, Counselor Marth, and Marth is um, Marth is on the drug that the uh, switch off which allows him to feel emotions intensely. Uh, he suggests a game of essentially Civil War, which is looks kind of like a five-player chess sort of a set, setup. Um, don't ask me. I've actually never played chess. Well, always wanted to because I thought it would be fun, like mental exercise, but never actually learned how to play. Um, but anyways, uh, in this uh, beginning of this game, we're sort of explaining a bit more about the history of uh, these trilogy of citizens, uh, their planets, and how they all came to be uh, on these platforms. Um, towards the end, he says, we worked so hard to remember what we lost but memory is meaningless, worse than meaningless, without emotion. And she says, how? And he says, now we have no regret. Without that, how can we learn from our suffering? Ah, Joe, I had hoped you of all people. Uh, never mind. 
so then he uh, turns off switch off uh, and uh, shuts it down. It uh, he says your objection has been uh, noted. Says we should play. She goes home. Is this a being or is this an an android? I I got the feeling it was an actual being, but maybe just like had a permanent hookup to some tech. Who knows? Which one? Where? Which part? Uh, Ken has this girl. I think it's a I think it's a being. If I remember correctly from last issue. I think okay. so. Um, the one she ha- the one well, she shacked up with. No, no, no. This is this isn't uh, this isn't uh, someone she's shacking up with. Because we get introduced to her for the first time because the narrative box on the next page has belated intro. Mm. This is the first time we've been introduced to this character. Oh, I thought th- I thought that's the person. She- oh, maybe maybe I was just thrown off because because the whole conversation is about how she thinks that. That Joe thinks that this character thinks that basically she's sleeping her way through everybody. Um, yeah. So maybe that's what threw me off. That's that's where I thought this character. Where where does where does it say the belated intro? Uh, when uh, this when Can has is hopping over the couch uh, and showing the final chapter. Uh... Two pages after she leaves Lantern Marth or, or Counselor Marth. Yeah, I, I found I found it now. Um, Related intro. I this is I can has Earth stuff. Oh one, my assistant. Unless well, yeah, unless unless it's like a recap thing, why they're saying it that way to. Uh, I don't know, That's, but I, I'd have to go back and. You're, I'm assuming you're right, but I would have to go back and look at the issues. But I thought that was a, I, I thought that. Would be, but you're right. Cause didn't she have like a tail? That chick that she hooked up with. Didn't she have a weird yeah. tail or something? Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, all right. But anyways, uh, she is at her home slash apartment. Lantern Joe is. Um, she's re- kind of recapping her day with her assistant, who is I can has Earth stuff. one. I mostly abbreviated her name to I C H E S or can has. It's ridiculous. No matter how you say it. She gives her a book, uh, a final chapter uh, of something. Uh, she. Uh, also notes that she uh, has an email reply from her father uh, that it's on its way. Uh, you get the idea that it's going to take quite a long time for data be, to be transmitted uh, from Earth to uh, where Lantern Joe is. The fact that she's getting a final chapter, I'm assuming that means that this assistant is downloading this data piecemeal for her. Um and once she has something completed, she then hands it off. Same, uh, I'm assuming, with the email. Uh, she wakes up early in the morning to a call on the other side of one of the platforms. Um, basically, a, uh, a a protest has has come out, and they need her there. And she's contacting contacting Sizen to be like, on her way and just be like, "Hey, let people know, like I'm I'm here to supplement local law enforcement, not replace it." And not do the grunt work that they don't want to. And then she shows up on the scene and bam, uh, there is a whole mess of light and color or explosions or whatever. Lots of people, stuff just in this place. uh, And she gets uh, contacted by the local peace authorities. Um, They let her know what's, uh, you know, hey, it's just a, a, a big protest. We need to shut this down. Uh, the peace accountant walks over and says, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really hoping we don't have to kill these people. And she's like, kill them. He says, the council hasn't approved this protest. We're, we've given the order to disperse and they haven't. If we don't stop this, the law is meaningless. Um, she's, he says, then make them disperse lantern. They've made their point. Now we need to keep the peace. So she goes down there, puts up a barrier between the two approaching crowds, the protesters and the people uh, who are obviously protesting the protest because this happens a lot um, just in societies in general. Uh, and uh, she goes down to kind of get the the 411 on what's happening and why. Uh, they try initially push back. You know, nobody asked you to interfere. She said, wrong, the Peace Division did. Now tell me why you're protesting. One side is saying uh, um, uh, we're pro- protesting them. Emotions are what caused the burnover. The emotion exploit saved us from wiping ourselves out for good. And these selfish uh, 
a deluded addicts risk everything we've gained. So essentially, they are protesting the switch off and in people who use it. Uh, and the people who use it are saying switch off is an addictive and emotions aren't evil. Everyone knows aliens called the burnover. And to recap, the burnover is the event that uh, caused these uh, individual species home planets to be destroyed before they all came over to the platforms. And he says, uh, that is who we were for thousands of years. We did just fine with our emotions. Our worlds were glorious. Then aliens manipulated us into nearly destroying ourselves. Now we just want the freedom to be glorious again with Switch Off. Uh, and then he gets interrupted. They all start arguing with each other. Lantern Joe tells them to write up some demands. I'll guarantee that the council gets them. Um, you know, they're criminals. Have you no respect for law and order? And then Lantern Joe has a flashback or something. Um, we don't get much context of it, of, of, for it other than for law, a button for Nixon and Agnew in 1968 for Law and Order, as well as uh, Manzanar War Relocation Center. I didn't have the, the memory to look that up because I was like, when I first read it, I was like, I'm going to look that up, and then I totally forgot. Um, uh, and we also see it looks like Lantern Joe in a police officer's uniform watching a citizen get beaten up. Now, this is on earth. Um, and, uh, one of the people protesting the people who are protesting, uh, or, or, or protesting for switch off, uh, says, shouldn't the council hear both sides? So like, no, they've heard and have been abiding by your side of the argument forever. Let me get their, their, uh, their side of the story up there for 10 seconds. Um, then she, her ring detects a weapon ener an energy weapon powering up. Uh, it is the peace uh, officers saying time's up. Uh, you know, uh, more protesters are showing showing up. We tried the emotional approach. Now I need to stop this. And she's rushing through the crowd, telling him, contact uh, Councillor Marth, contact him, contact him, contact him. Uh, Lantern, the order to fire came from Councillor Marth, and all of these peace officers open up fire on the crowds. Uh, killing quite a few of them or injuring them. We don't actually see any uh, uh, bodies drop. We do see, you know, energy weapons going through them, and we, we did get the word kill or, or earlier, so I'm assuming quite a few people are dying here. But uh, she says, no, not today, not again. She powers up, crackles with energy. Oh, you emotionless motherfuckers, you have officially pissed me off. And to be continued. So you, what do you think? So you have you have the physical copy, right, of this now? No. Oh, you have you okay? You eventually were able to, which only only because in in your digital, do they still push her her trilogy? When you say push her trilogy, what do you mean? The books. Because I have a splash page push, pushing uh, Jemison's. Uh, it's, I think it's a trilogy. Either way, this horse. Yeah, yeah, the Broken Earth trilogy. Her her. They're advertising her. Her books. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Unless unless I just accidentally passed it up. So just curious. Uh. I thought this. I thought this issue was was pretty good. I mean, I agree with you. You summed it up well. That there's. That this does not give move the story along, all that, much. I mean, it just it's kind of like a at a slower pace. Uh, as far as it, from an informational dump perspective or information dump perspective, you don't get a lot more. You know, it makes obviously you wonder what you know what Martha was alluding to when he, like you of all people and thing and, and and the point of you know, the games that he's you know the head games that he's trying to play with her what you know what what you know what he's what the real point of that is. Uh, Manzanar, uh, by the way, is one of the main in Japanese internment camps during World War II. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Uh, so, uh, I, I, mean, I like the art. I, I did like the, I did like the pro, the, the way she tried to handle the protests, especially when she puts the green construct bubbles around all of the, against, uh, around each side, and you see the little piece, the little piece symbols connected to them. I thought that was, un, I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, from an art perspective, like I mentioned to you, which probably was present in issues one and two. But I never really noticed it. I didn't. I never really paid it. If I didn't notice before that you know that they draw Joe 
using the magic words so thick <laughs> that she's definitely like Janelle, uh, Janelle Monet from the waist up, but more like Ashanti or someone built like that from the waist down, that she's definitely wider in the hips and the thighs, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. It's not a criticism. It's just something I didn't notice before. I noticed it actually on the cover of this. That's where I first noticed it. That so they do. So I, I kind of I kind of thought that was pretty pretty cool actually that they that even from even from a body type perspective that she's not drawn as your typical superhero female. You know that she's not you know she's not she's not bu- busting out on the top and she's not super you know super thin in the waist or the hips or anything like that. So I, that's somewhat so obviously I'm sure that was a creative choice all along based on based on you know who, who this the design of this character or what they wanted her to be. I liked I thought I thought it was good. I I'm still intrigued to want to see how this stuff keeps playing out, but I would I as we move closer to halfway through, we're only like about what a fourth of the way through right now that I I hmm. I wish we would get hope by the time we get to around halfway through I'd like to have a little more context or a little more understanding about at least you know what the deal is with her ring and but they have time to go slow because again, this is a twelve-issue storyline. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's sort of irritating that it's uh, you know taking this long to kind of get to the point. Um, but we are setting up this world. We are setting up some nuance. Uh, we are setting, getting some characterization in the meantime, so that's all cool. I appreciate all that. Uh, the art remains very consistent in this. This is going to be one hell of a beautiful trade paperback, I can tell you that for sure. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I, I just uh, I just think it's cool. I like. Uh, I think the colorist is doing a really good job uh, because you can get you get the. Uh, you know, when when her and Counselor Marth at the beginning are playing uh, this Civil War board game thing, uh, or about to, you know, the 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 lighting is this violet color, uh, but like the pieces have their own individual colors of red and blue and black and all of this other stuff. So the lighting, as it reflects off of of Marth and Lantern Joe is largely this violet, you know, sapphire sort of color, but there are hints of other colors there. So it's it's really cool the way they play with the lighting in here, uh, the, the way the colorist does this uh, on, on their end. Um, like when his switch-off goes bad, it's red, uh, and you can see the red light sort of reflecting off of his fingertips, that sort of a thing. When Lantern Joe, anytime she lights up with her ring, you know, the way the way uh, the light reflects off of things. Um, she's uh, she's in front of her, she's in front of the, uh, the map reading off the protest uh, and where people are located and everything. And she right, right on the panel where she says, so they tell me I'm just one person, uh, all this. Uh, and she's holding up her ring and it's in front of her body. She's in front of that red lit map. So she's got some red light on her, but her, Fist is casting a shadow on her chest because her fist is between the light source and her. So that's really cool looking the way they're playing with lighting and all of this and very cognizant of it. Um, I'm, uh, I, there have been points in the story where I've been reading things and been wishing her, her, her green was more green, but you know, playing with seeing what they're doing, playing with lighting and the way they're handling things in this, I actually, I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I think it's I think it's all really cool, really well done. Um, yeah, uh, art, colors, inks, letters uh, are all top notch for me. Uh, the only thing I wish we got a bit more of is the story, but I'll, I, I think I'll save final final judgments uh, until uh, the, the the whole first arc is out. That is true. Uh... And not to be funny, I mean, as far as getting you know, regular green, you know, full-on Green Lantern books, even though this is obviously this, it could be an asterisk to how much of a Green Lantern book this is when it all is said and done. But based on where we are right now, you know, beggars can't be choosers. That we at least we have two Green Lantern books 
even even ha 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 with the black stars for one more issue <laughs> before we go back to a Green Lantern book called Green Lantern. But still, at least we have two monthly Green Lantern books right now. So I guess that that that's I will happily accept that at the moment. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else about this issue we wanted to talk about? No, I I don't think so. I uh, I thought I I was I continue to like this book more than I thought I was going to. So hopefully that will hopefully that will carry forth as we make our way towards the uh, halfway point. I'm not really sure where this is going, but at the same time, uh, there was a uh, one notable thing I did want to bring up. Let me scroll to that page here. Uh, when she is talking to Can Has, uh, she says, uh, uh, you've got good taste, and it's not like you've been checking out the Ketopoli. That would be gossip-worthy. And then in smaller text, like almost under her breath, although I hear things about Counselor Averrupt, too. So maybe that's somebody we need to be on the lookout for moving forward. Obviously, Marth is of a of a concern, and g- given that he's on switch off and that he invited her over to his place uh, for you know what precisely we don't still don't know. Uh, and uh, he's also the one who ordered the peace officers to fire on the crowd. So obviously, he's a, a, a person of interest to, to to pay attention to in all of this, but. It sounds like this other counselor might be someone we might need to be, uh, you know, keeping an eye on whenever they pop up. That is true. They certainly are opening. The, they're, they're trying to do the usual suspect thing, like spread, you know, spread the wealth around as far as, uh, oh, you know, this got to keep an eye on that person. Well, you got to keep an eye on that person. Uh, this person looks like they're trouble, but maybe it's the person who doesn't look like they're trouble that uh, you have to worry about. They're just, and they're just setting the stage for us to be more, you know, intrigued about, you know, her different relationships with, with, with different people. So, yeah, well, we will, we will see. Uh, and I also tweeted uh, uh, N.K. Jemison about Can Has to ask the question if she was a robot, AI of some kind, or a living being. Uh, to be fair, I tweeted uh, her as we were recording this, so uh, still no reply. But uh, if slash when we get that back, depending on the what the if the answer is, you know, of great importance or whatever, uh, whatever. If we hear back, I'll let you know on the next episode we record after hearing back. Um, and ex- but I asked extra bro- brownie points for her if she begins the email. Chad, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think she will. But if but if you're listening, please begin the email reply that way. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Well, uh, speaking of reaching out to us, uh, how can people do that? Why are you asking me, Chet? Stop pressuring me. <laughs> it's like lanterncast at gmail dot com. The website is lanterncast dot com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on hate, on Facebook, excuse me, hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please leave us a positive review wherever you listen to us. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. That's right. Uh, the, the call continues, folks. So uh, if you... If you didn't listen to the last episode, we are now on Spotify. So if you can, if you have the ability to, please listen to us uh, on Spotify from now on, if, if you're able to, uh, just because we actually have access to tracking information over there, which uh, helps us out. If you want the full explanation, go listen to the uh, previous episode. Uh, so I'm not wasting up too much uh, recording space here. But, uh, yeah, if you have the ability, please, please, please listen to us over on Spotify. Uh, and uh, just uh, another reminder, I'm going to do this not every episode, but every now and then between now and uh, the mid-March. I am going to Emerald City Comic Con, so if you guys out there are, are going or thinking about going, uh, you should go and let me know if you're going. I'd like to know. If you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con... Chad uh, wants to stalk I, you! No, it's like... <laughs> yeah. I don't. Th- I don't know if we'll be able to like you know plan like a dinner meetup or anything, but I could definitely come you know meet you guys in Artist Alley or something. We could hang out for ten fifteen minutes or whatever, or go to a panel or something. 
so uh, I'd, I'd like to meet some people if I can. I, uh, this is the this is not only like a convention for me. It's actually one of my first actual vacations in a while in terms of me taking off, using vacation hours, you know, going out of town for something other than visiting family. Uh, this is this is for me. So I, I'm trying to have as much fun and do as much things and, and, and interesting stuff as I can. And I'd love to hang out with some listeners uh, or some fellow Green Lantern fans in the least while uh, while I'm out there. So if you're able to do that, do so. Oh, and one other thing, cosplayers, cosplayers. Uh, I wanted to mention this to you guys. If you are a cosplayer or if you know of a cos uh, cosplayer who would like to do this, uh, we are, I don't want to say hosting, uh, but and I don't want to say sponsoring because it's not like we're putting money behind it, but it's an idea we have that we're going to be spreading the, the word on uh, for some official Green Lantern 80th cosplay days. Now, the idea here is you don't have to dress up as Alan Scott, but anything, if you know, or if you or someone you know cosplays lantern-related characters and is going to be at a Comic-Con on a specific date, on, on three specific dates, or their local comic shop is having an event, or there's something somewhere that you can be cosplaying lantern characters at, we're recommending... Uh, that you that you do that on on three specific days and those three days are sunday march 15th of this year sunday july 26th and sunday october 11th those are the sundays of emerald city comic-con san diego comic-con and new york city comic-con respectively so that's uh just the sunday of the three major conventions that happened uh, during spring, summer, and fall uh, in in the year 2020. Um, yeah, you don't have to be at the con, but take photos, uh, share those cosplays with us of Lantern-related characters on those days. Use the hashtag GL80th. Uh, and uh, yeah, just share them far and wide, and, and we'll do the same. Uh, we just want to, however we can, get the word of Green Lantern's 80th anniversary out there. We don't have... Uh, the ability to do what we can or what we want with this license, but we can help just spread as much notoriety and, uh, in, in information as we can out there. And cosplay is one way to do it. So if you're into that, the March 15th, July 26th, and October 11th are the official cosplay days for GL 80th. So uh, let us know. Indeed. Make Chet happy, please. Make him happy. <laughs> I'm just if you and hey if you guys out there have ideas of ways to celebrate Green Lantern 80th that don't us involve us investing every penny we have uh, that should go to things like bills, uh, please let us know as well. Uh, so the cosplay idea day idea is something one of our uh, listeners or fans over on Twitter had mentioned and and I just sort of took it and ran with it because it was a good idea. So yeah, let's whatever whatever you guys think would work well to help get the the news out there all right sounds good talk to you later guys good night everybody good night